Well, hey everyone, welcome. My name is Ben, glad you're joining us. I'm giving a big shout out to um, everyone who's joining us online at any of our campuses all over, wherever you are. Let's just kind of say a welcome. I mean, if you're home watching, it's just say welcome. You can shout it out to someone at all of our campuses. You can shout it out and just say welcome. We're so glad you're here and that we get to do this together. Speaking of together, uh, we're about to do something really, really huge together. It's coming up. Uh, very soon, and to tell you a little bit more about it, I want you to hear from my friend Aaliyah. Aaliyah is one of our uh, volunteers, amazing uh, change makers here with our uh, mountain worship, and I want you to hear her story. Go ahead and check this out. Make sure I look good. Look good for the people. <laughs> my name is Aaliyah Dukes, and I'm a chemist. I'm also a pharmacy technician and a basketball coach. I have a lot of hats that I wear, so I paid off $73,277.52 in debts in 18 months. And you can too. <laughs> I graduated from college, and like a lot of students, my family was giving me gifts to, you know, congratulate me for graduating. My uncle brought me a bag, and in the bag was the total money makeover from Dave Ramsey. And I looked at him and he, and he said, you can pay off your student loans. I was like, pay off my student loans? People don't, don't do that. So it just opened my eyes to the, uh, an opportunity that I had that I could actually pay this off. The biggest elephant in the room was to address that I needed to have a plan. And I just didn't have the knowledge and that's why I was scared at the beginning. That after I got this plan, I was like, okay, I can do this, let's put it into practice. I have spreadsheets. Yeah, I'm definitely the nerd. <laughs> I was there single, so I didn't really have um, anybody to, to hold me back. If I wanted to be a nerd, I could be as nerdy as I wanted to be, and I was. Ooh, when, it, when I was in the middle of it, I got to work hard for hard, very, very hard for 18 months. So that short period of time of just grinding really hard to have the rest of my life in freedom, uh, it's so worth it, and I'm so glad I did it. But I just keep thinking about my family in the future, and I know the wisdom in these principles and to be able to share them with them tangibly and um, put them in place early in, in their lives. That's my why. Putting God's principles to practice, seeing the fruit and seeing it work. There's nothing I can really say to get you to understand how much peace that I'm living with internally because I've done this and I've taken this journey. Your contentment changes, your peace changes, your generosity changes. My spiritual component has definitely changed. You can do it if you take this class, it literally will change not only your financial life, but how you see life in general. I am so excited for Aaliyah and her change that she's made and her story, and I want to be excited about yours too. Load up. The FPU classes are starting right now, so register so you don't miss out, okay? Now, I'm amped up. I'm amped up because uh, I'm always getting excited when we launch into a new series, which we're doing right now. And we, uh, this one that begins, I want to kick it off by uh, calling on my man, Aristotle, who was an amazing philosopher, one of the pioneers of science, and he was Greek, so he was awesome. Here's a quote from Aristotle. He says this, he says, we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do do. So show me your habits and I'll show you your life. I'll show you who you're becoming. He was saying that you, you look at a person who's successful and flourishing and thriving and having a good life, you can peel it back and you can see that they are repeatedly doing, they have habits that have led 
to that. It's not an accident. And the converse is true. When someone's life is falling apart and, and, it, and is heading in a bad direction and empty and hollow, you can also find that there are very often at the core these series of what you could call bad habits. We are what we repeatedly do because habits have a tremendous force, don't they? They have an ability to kind of shape our lives because we are what we repeatedly do. We are not, in the end, what we meant to do or planned to do or hoped to do or intended to do or thought we were going to do or want you to think we actually did. No, we are what? We are what we repeatedly do. And so we're talking about these habits, which are these things that become the building blocks of our lives. Like, like, our knee-jerk, go-to, automatic responses, because we've done them a couple of times, they become kind of, oh, the default mode, the things that we, we do, almost like second nature. And you know what? Every day of our lives, we are reinforcing habits or forming new ones all the time. And those habits are the things that are making us who we are. Now it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're, we're in this pandemic time, you know, all this crazy stuff going on and I threw out on social media, hey, what are, are there some habits that y'all have started in recent, uh, you know, year, last year and a half? I got lots of responses. Some of you said some things that were very positive. You said things like, yeah, we're spending more time as a family. We're, um, we're, I get up and I do my devotions. I never did that before the pandemic. Or, or uh, I, I've lost a lot of weight. We're cooking and ex- I'm exercising daily. I'm cooking better food and all this kind of stuff. Lots of positive, but you know, there were lots of negatives. People were like, yeah, I, I started binging during COVID and, and I can't stop. Or, or I, I'm, I'm gaming too much. Or I'm on social media too much. Or I'm more negative toward people. There, there, there are bad habits as well. Let me, I just wonder about you. You know, what, what habits maybe have you noticed that you have started in your life in the last maybe year and a half. Maybe you didn't intend to or want to, but you're starting to see the truth of Aristotle's words that you are some way affected by what you have found yourself repeatedly doing. I think we can all relate to that. So habits. Did you hear about the nun, by the way? The nun who showed up in church with with her clothes on inside out? Yeah, they said, what's up, sister? What's going on? And she says, oh, it's just a, it's a bad habit. So, yeah. So we all have some bad habits, don't we? And it may seem like no big deal if we're talking about biting our nails or licking our lips or you know, some, can I tell you something? Jared Fox was at my house this week and he used the toilet twice And both times he left the toilet seat up, which is just like wrong and nasty. And I just want to say publicly, Jared, shame on you. And also, Sarah, I'm so sorry because my wife taught me about the dangers of falling in and all of that. I know it's a bad habit and it's wrong, Jared. And sometimes those kinds of bad habits may seem like they're not that big a deal. And they're probably really not, okay? I can picture the conversation in the Fox household right now about this. Let's be honest, there are other times when habits that we have, things that we repeatedly do actually are a pretty big deal, right? Like they, they start shaping us in ways that turn us into the people we don't want to be. Like when we find ourselves lashing out and saying things that we 
regret and wish we could take back, but we can't. But we have this habit of just spewing our anger because the rage is right there at the surface. Or when we can't seem to stop worrying or complaining or being negative toward other people about things or judgmental or, or we can't stop viewing pornography and our lust is running wild or we stretch the truth and flat out lie or maybe we've got a habit of running to unhealthy escapes when, when we need to feel comfort or feel better or reward ourselves we run to the bottle we run to the pill we run to the gym we run We run to the casino, we run on a shopping spree, we grab a bag of weed. Whatever it is, sometimes there are unhealthy escapes. And there are so many of these bad habits we start thinking about, they really do unravel our joy and they can start really destroying our relationships. And guess what? They disconnect us from God. Bad habits aren't just annoying like chewing your nails. Sometimes it really changes our relationship with God because almost invariably bad habits have a way of making us feel guilty and ashamed and we want to run and hide. So this series is called Force of Habit. Force of Habit. And we're going to go after trying to confront and change some of the habits that are, that are stealing our life away from us, you know? Like keeping us from what God's best. Because here's what I think. I think a lot of people are living kind of almost lives, you know? Like almost lives like we're we're almost loving to our spouses we're we're almost godly parents we're 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 almost in control of our eating or our drinking or our 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 spending or our negative attitude almost We're, we're almost living with integrity we're almost in control of our anger almost we're almost christians We almost follow Jesus. We almost really trust Jesus with the most important things in our life, but not quite. No, not quite. So instead, what we do is we go through these spurts where we try to get our act together and turn our lives around, make some real change, but we don't have a lot of success. And it's short-lived because it's surface level. It's behavior modification that only lasts so long and we yo-yo back to the same old stuff that's rooted down deep inside of us, which is why, friends, I'm gonna tell you, we're gonna go there, okay? We're gonna go, we're not gonna dabble on the surface over the next few weeks. I'm gonna go on a journey with me. We're gonna dig deep. What we're gonna be doing here as we dive into God's word and see what the Lord says about all this, it is so different than what you're going to find in your self-help book at the airport, okay? Because none of that stuff really gets down deep. I want to warn you, this is going to be not easy peasy. We're going to do some spiritual archaeology. We're going to dig deep into our own selves. Because guess what? The bad habits that dominate our lives and are taking us someplace we don't want to go, they're often just the symptom of a deeper problem. There's a thing beneath the thing. And until we let Jesus deal with the thing beneath the thing, we're just playing surface level games. We're not talking here about behavior modification where we're gonna grit our teeth and learn some tricks and tips where we can stop doing certain behaviors on the surface because that kind of thing doesn't last. What we need is to be changed, not just in our behavior and what we do, but in what we want to do. 
What we need is change from the inside out, not the outside in. And that's the kind of change that Jesus Christ promises and has demonstrated already he can bring into our lives. That's what this series is about and that's what I hope you're ready for, where we can tap into divine power from God that's available to us so we can stop living out of what the Bible calls our own desires or our flesh, where we're just ruled by what we think we want to do. But instead of natural proclivities dominating our habits, we can have supernatural power come into our lives through Jesus Christ and heal us at the deepest places so that the thing beneath the thing can be healed and we cannot just change what we do but what we want to do and who we are. And I hope that excites you. Let me just ask you, point blank, are you ready? Are you ready to break and replace a bad habit that's holding you back from God? Are you ready to invite Jesus into that deep place? I hope so. I truly hope so. We're going to focus in on a specific habit every week but every week's gonna have something for everyone. But some of the weeks we're gonna talk about specifically things like pride or anger or bad habits that have to do with cynicism and our sarcastic negative attitude and unhealthy escapes like we mentioned when we run, whether food or sex or booze or, or Netflix or shopping, whatever it might be. We'll talk about the desires of, of lust and the fires that burn inside of us that we don't always know how to curb. We'll talk very honestly about habits we have sometimes of stretching the truth or just flat out lying, why we do it and how we can stop. We'll talk about worry and complaining. In a a few weeks, we're going to welcome a special guest. Brian Head Welsh will be here with us at Mountain. A lot of you know he's world famous metal band, uh, the, the, the band Korn. And uh, he, he's, he's a rock star, but he's also a great guy. And he's going to come and talk to us at Mountain about some of the habits that nearly ruined his health and his family and his life and his career and how Jesus changed all that for him and can do the same for you. I, ho- I hope you don't miss that one. That's going to be awesome. So we're going to look at the habit, but we're going to look at the heart, those two things, practical and personal, as we move through this and let Jesus kind of guide us through. So first thing we want to do is just, just say, I hope you'll be honest with yourself and open yourself up to this discussion, to this process. This isn't a series for someone else with worse habits than you. Will you open yourself up a little bit? Maybe here's a question you could ask yourself. What What would those who love you the most, those people who are really close to you and know you well, what would they say? Might be a bad habit that is kind of hurting you or holding you back. What comes to mind as you dig a little bit bit right now? You know, uh, when I moved to Maryland 25 years ago, I'd never eaten a, a crab. Uh, never had. I went to a party and they had these crabs and they brought them out, right? And they, 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 what they do? They put one on your table in the newspaper and they give you a hammer and they tell you how to crack that hard, crusty exterior shell and to break it open so you can spend 25 minutes to get down to that one little bite of meat, right? But that, that's what you got to do to get to, to get to the good stuff is crack open the hard exterior and do the work. And that's 
what it's going to be like for us if we're going to make some progress on replacing bad habits with new, good, godly, life-giving ones. We're going to have to do some work. So here's some diagnostic questions for you as we begin that can maybe help you kind of crack yourself open a little bit and get down inside. It happens to spell the word crab. Let me lead us through this. Let's, let's ask this question. C-R-A-B. So C is, is it affecting my relationship with Christ? Now be honest. Think of a habit. Let God bring it to mind right now. Something that maybe someone else would say, that's the one you should think about and work on right now. Or maybe it's one that you know is just right there in the front of your mind. Is it affecting your relationship with Christ? See, R. What about your relationship with other people from the scale of maybe either annoying or really damaging someone or a relationship you have? Be honest. A, what about your attitude? Is it affecting your outlook in life in a negative way? How you think about yourself, how you think about others? Or how about B, is it keeping you from really becoming the person God is calling you to become? Your relationship with Christ, your relationship with others, your attitude and who you're becoming. Let God call a specific habit in your life to mind. Raise it to the surface, and I'd like you to hold that up to him now as we dive into his word. And we're going to go through an entire passage kind of with this idea, this question about bad habits and how we break them and remake ourselves in mind. And we just finished a series where we talked about First Peter, and we learned a lot of great things there about how to stand for Christ. Now I'd like us to flip to Second Peter, and we're going to begin with chapter 1, the first 11 verses. I want you to dive in there. If you've got a Bible, open it up, and I'm going to ask you to put your big boy britches, your big girl britches on, because we're going to do a deep dive. So hang in there, because the rewards are important. Are you ready? Let's look at it. First four verses together. Second Peter chapter 1. Here's how it begins. This letter is from Simon Peter. I'm going to give you some, some things you can maybe circle in your mind or on your, on your page. A slave an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and righteousness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace, circle it, as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, circle the word power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Man, there is so much loaded into that. Let's unpack it a little bit. Go back to the first part of verse one. Here's what it says. This letter, is Peter's just saying, hey, this is from me. Look how he identifies himself. He calls himself a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. That's his entire identity. His whole purpose in life is to serve Christ. That's how he starts off. So we're thinking about habits now. Now, first of all, I have to remind us, when he talks about a slave, he's not thinking about the horrific, dehumanizing version of slavery that's such an unfortunate part of world history since that time. He's actually thinking of what an honor it is. He's thinking of like Moses and Elijah and David in the Old Testament who were honored to be considered a servant of Christ. 
And that's how he wants to be identified. I've sold myself out for Jesus, he's saying, and it's the best life. It's an honor and a privilege. That's who I am. So think about it. If you're a servant, what are you? You you, you have a, a master. So your life, if you're a servant, is no longer about your own agenda. You ask, what does my master want? And I trust him. If you're proud to be a servant, you, you trust your master. And the irony here is that in our lives, when we fall prey to a bad habit, it starts becoming our master. And we find ourselves enslaved. We think as we follow our gratifying desires, as we follow the flesh and what we want to do because I'm the master, we think it's going to lead to freedom. But when we just binge or go after that thing that becomes a habit that sucks life out of us and it isn't fulfilling at all and we become enslaved and Peter says I don't have that problem anymore because why I'm a servant of Jesus Christ are you a servant of Jesus Christ that's the first and foremost thing your true identity is the first key to get you free of bad habits Look at what else he goes on to say I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith he says in in verse 1 This faith was given to you You don't have to earn it You don't have to work at it. You've got this faith. You've got this relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the key to solving bad habits. How do you get it? Not by being strong, knocking out the habit yourself, proving that you are morally excellent or you're tougher than the next person who can't seem to kick their bad habits. No. Peter says no. The way you do it is is by the grace of God. He's given it to you already. That's how you come to know the Christ who can help you. Wow, that's great because we need a break. We need some grace. And that's why he says in verse two, look at this. May God give you more and more grace, circle it, and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God. As you get closer to God, may you just have more. And the, and the phrasing there literally means may you have grace and peace multiplied to you in abundance, lavished out, overflowing into your lap. May you have that kind of grace and peace. Here's what I know. When you have a bad habit, when you have a series of bad habits, you get two things in your life. You get guilt and problems. Guilt and problems. You get guilt because you feel bad that you can't knock it and it's stealing time and attention and energy from you and, 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 and you get problems because it wastes your money, it wastes your time, it wastes your energy and it gets you in trouble. It makes people around you sad and mad all the time. You got guilt and problems and Peter says, Because of who Jesus is, your life can be completely different and instead overflowing into your life in the place of guilt and problems, you'll have grace and peace. Grace is God's goodness filling up the cracks of your life and peace is that deep shalom that says, my life isn't ruled by bad habits, I have peace. I hope you're ready to be done with guilt and problems and ready for grace and peace and if you are the key is in the next verse look at verse three here's what he says by his Jesus divine power 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 we need power God has given us everything we need for living a godly life friend you already have it God has given it to us through Jesus Christ We have received all this by coming to know him. It's a relationship with Christ can unleash this in your life. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. 
By his divine power, God has given you everything you need to live a godly life with good habits replacing the bad. It's there. It's available. We know we need power to change. We're like the Apostle Paul. Paul was the most spiritual person ever to to sort of walk the page of the New Testament other than Jesus. And he says in Romans 7, man, I can't get a hold of some of these habits. This desire inside of me from human nature just grips me sometimes. He says, the very thing I say, swear I'm never going to do is the very thing I end up doing. And then I say, I'm going to do this, and I don't do that. And so what's wrong with me? And we all go, wow, me too. I thought I was the only one. Because we know that bad habits have power. They have a grip over us and a control sometimes that can ruin our relationships and rob our lives. So much so that if you've really struggled with a bad habit, sometimes I think the devil just teaches us to give up. Say, I quit. This can't change. It's who I am. It's what I'm destined for. But don't you forget something here, what this Bible verse is teaching us. It's the same thing they said about Jesus when they put him in the grave. When they murdered him and locked him up in the tomb, they said, it's over. Nothing can change that now. But God was not done. Remember that? God was not done. And Jesus on the third day rose open and that tombstone moved away and he came out alive and beautiful and full of light and glory. How'd that happen? Well, it happened by the power of God. And this verse is reminding us that the same divine power that raised Jesus from the dead, God has given to you and me. He's given it to us so that now you have at your disposal everything you need for a life of godliness. That's power. He goes on to say in verse four, he says, and because of his glory and excellence, he's given us these promises that can enable you to share in his divine nature. We get to have Jesus inside of us and become more like Christ. This isn't surface level. This is deep, like changing who we actually are, spiritually speaking, and we can escape the world's corruptions. This is big stuff, changes from the inside out. God wants to do that. How does it happen? Through his power. Friend, that's the, that's the first point he's trying to make in this chapter is that God's power is the key. Tapping into it is key. Now, how do we tap into it? How do you get that kind of power helping you bring real change to bad habits in your life? If it's true that it's there, how does it work? Well, the answer might surprise you. Part one of what he said in the first four verses is God's got it. God does this. He's already done it and he's given it to you. Then he goes on in verse five and, and then look what he says. In verse five, it says, in view of all this, now you, (laughs) God's done all this. And in view of all that God has already done, now you make every effort to respond to that gift of grace, to these promises God's given. So supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. That means you got to work at this. And and to moral excellence, you got to add knowledge. And to knowledge, add some self-control. Work on your self-control. And and self-control, patient endurance, like stick-to-itiveness. Don't just quit when it gets hard. And patient endurance, you add some godliness, like you got to learn to try to act right and do the right thing. And to godliness, brotherly affection, like think about others for a change. And brotherly affection, love for everyone. That's the capstone. And the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted. Like when you just say, this habit feels good, I'm going to do it in the moment, you're missing it. It's a nearsighted thing. You're being blind. You're forgetting all the gifts and the promises. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Work hard. That's what you do. God has given you everything you need, but you got to work hard. That's how you prove 
that you really are among those God's called and chosen. Do these things and you'll never fall away. God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is a beautiful partnership that God describes. God says, I'll give you the power, I'll do it. I'll do the hard stuff. But it's like filling up your car with gasoline. You still gotta start the engine and drive it to the destination. That's where you gotta work hard. And this partnership could be described this way. God's power plus my effort equals real change. If you just say, oh, I'm just gonna let God do it, you won't see the real change in your habits. Well, I don't know why God hasn't changed me yet. I don't know why he hasn't got me to stop yelling at my wife. I don't know why he hasn't got me to stop gambling yet. It won't work that way. But if you lean all on your own strength and you pretend that you don't need his divine power, the scriptures don't hold out much hope for you to have real change at a depth level. So let's see how all this goes together, God's power and your effort with one habit we could look at today, pride. Pride. Let's talk about pride for just a minute. Pride, you know, there's an old story about a Navy warship that was sailing through the fog one night and they saw this distant light right in their path and it kept getting larger and larger as it came closer. So the captain, who was a strong and very confident man, went into the control room and just then a voice came over the radio and, and, it, and it said, hey, the vessel that is traveling 18 knots on a 220 heading, you need to adjust your course 30 degrees. Well, the captain didn't take very kindly to that. It kind of irked him, in fact. He grabbed the microphone and he said, this is the vessel that's on the 220 heading. You adjust your course 30 degrees. The reply came back, negative captain, you need to adjust your course now. Very irritated, the captain said, I'm a captain in the U.S. Navy. To whom am I speaking? And he said, I'm just a first-year cadet in the U.S. Coast Guard, sir. Then the captain said, then I suggest you adjust your course right now. The voice came back. No, sir, I suggest you adjust yours immediately. Son, we are a U.S. Navy warship, he belted. And the reply came back, sir, we are a lighthouse. I suggest you adjust your course. I am so much like that captain sometimes. How about you? Stubborn? Sure, you're bigger than whoever someone is in front of you trying to tell you something. You won't listen to reason won't back down, won't compromise, even on silly little things. Our own perceived importance is so much bigger because we care mostly about ourselves sometimes. We're not talking about the pride that says, well, I'm proud of my kid when he does a good job at school. We're talking about the the kind of pride that Scripture describes as self-centeredness. Romans 12 says, you don't think you are better than you really are, but just be honest in your self-evaluation of yourself. See yourself how God does. But when we feel superior, when we can't admit our weaknesses, when we're not very coachable, when we have to be the center of attention, it it keeps us from acknowledging our own sin. It keeps us from connecting deeply with God. It damages our relationships. Marriages have been destroyed. Parent-child relationships go south when we can't say, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. We can't be honest with each other. My friend Steve Poe says, sometimes we would rather have people admire the person we pretend to be 
rather than love the person that we really are. Because pride is a big deal. And that's why C.S. Lewis, famous Christian writer, said that pride is like the great sin. It's like the one that everybody has but nobody thinks they have. And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it and can spot it in someone else. And it's the utmost of evil because every other thing springs out of it. Uh, you know, it, it's the complete, as he said, anti-God state of, of mind. Every other bad habit is birthed out of pride. Think about it. When you think about your, your own selfish wants and desires and put them first, that's why you can lie because why? You want to influence everything for your benefit. That's why someone commits adultery out of self-gratification. Me, myself, and I. Christ says, by contrast, you can be a new creation. Not on the outside, where you just change to some way to fake it, to fool everyone, but really on the inside, you can become a new person where that pride, which is driven by our ego and arrogance or our insecurity, both are forms of pride, all of that can be healed and you can really be new. He doesn't say, in Christ, you can become, you know, learn how to act differently. He says, you can become really genuinely new and different at a heart level. And then, then you can do what Philippians 2 says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But rather in humility, consider others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. When you, when you look at your own interests above others all the time, it leaves you with all kinds of bad habits. Pride is the source of so many other bad habits. People who are bitter are saying, look at what they did to me. People who have unforgiveness in their hard hearts say, you have no idea how they wronged me. See, it's all just a form of selfish pride. Greed says, I gotta have more for me. Envy says, I don't want you to have it. I'm jealous. Gossip says, I must have all the dirty details because I want to be the one to tell everyone because I want you to think I'm that important and I'm in the middle of it. It's all, everything comes back to this one root, evil, pride. Jesus talked to his disciples about it so often. He says, you need to look more at me and my life. And when you think about it, Jesus calls all of us to put him on the throne of your life. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, put me on the throne of your life. Now, sometimes we think, yeah, so the devil comes along and he wants, he wants to say to us, hey, put me on the throne of your life. But that's not what the devil says. You know what the devil says? The devil says, put yourself on the throne of your life. Because when you do that, you are serving the causes of evil more than the causes of Christ. This is big stuff. So how can we do this? Let's replace our pride with habits of humility. Replace pride with humility. How do we do that? First thing is you gotta own it. Acknowledge it. So I just, I just wonder, do you, do you, are you very defensive? When I find myself being defensive, it's a clue that I'm, I've got some pride lurking. Are you coachable? When a person blames everyone else all the time, that's pride. When you have our time cooperating with others at work or you, you're the one, you, you, always have, you just have all these bad people you always work with. There are, all these people are always so bad. That's a clue. Look in the mirror. You've got some pride going on. When conversations are usually about yourself, you're on a date and you say, well, that's enough talk about me. Let's talk about what you think of me. It, those are little clues. You might have some pride issues. 
I'm going to leave you with some short, practical steps. All right? We're letting Jesus do deep healing at the inside, and, and then we're starting to take steps on the outside. Here's some steps you can take this week. Number one, confess it. Simply tell the person, especially someone maybe you've hurt with your pride. It's a big part of dealing with pride. James 5 says, confess your sins one to the other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Something softens inside of us when we tell someone, you know what, I was wrong. Something softens and important happens in us when we admit that we have failed or hurt someone. And confession brings sin out into the light where Jesus can see it and deal with it and heal it. Confess it. Number two, just be more like Jesus who is so humble. You know, Ephesians 2 says, you must have the same attitude of Christ Jesus. And it talks about how he had all this stuff. If anyone had a right to be proud, it was Jesus because he, he had equality with God, but he didn't hold on to it. Instead, it says he emptied himself. He gave it away. He poured himself out. And then he humbled himself, even to the place of being on a cross. So be more like Jesus, where instead of being so full of yourself, you will learn to empty yourself. Be more like Jesus. We need more people are more like Jesus. If you're a Christian, that's your job description. Number three, listen to the thoughts and opinions of others. That would be a great exercise for some of us this week, just to say, find someone and listen to their thoughts and opinions. Because we live in a time when people don't care about other people's thoughts and opinions. They're just waiting to get their jab in or end the conversation with a mic-dropping zinger so they can say they won the argument. They think of other people as stupid or dumb whenever they express thoughts or opinions. But instead of that self-centered pride, we need to be better at just listening. So beat the pride down in your life by practicing listening. That's a good habit, and it will chase out some of the bad habit of pride. When you listen to someone, you're saying you matter, and that's a form of love, and that's on the list that Peter gave us, so do more of that. And number four, learn to ask others for help. Pride insists you're in control. You got it. You don't need anyone or anything, not even God. But that kind of control makes it really hard to connect with others and with God, and you don't really have that control anyway. It'll keep you from saying, I'm sorry. It'll keep you from, from saying you made a mistake. So learn to ask others for help. It acknowledges that you're not God, you're not omnipotent, and that they are capable and that you don't have all the answers. So ask others for help. Number five, this is one of my, probably my favorite, and we'll close with this, practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Selfishness robs us of gratitude, but gratitude and humility are cousins. They go hand in hand. And if you can get to focus off yourself to think what you're grateful for, tell someone what you're grateful for. Tell the Lord what you're grateful for. I love the nights when Carl and I put our heads on the pillow and we just think of what are three things we're most grateful for today and we name them out loud. Changes everything about the day. Changes everything about how I feel. Beats down the pride inside of me. I bet it would do the same for you. Friend, that's the challenge. Let's do the work. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we, ha we ask for your help to be more like Jesus. Specifically on this matter of pride, we ask you to heal the insecurity inside of us.